2: minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast
3: welcome back packers fans to the pack a day podcast it is thanksgiving weekend hope everybody had a great thanksgiving holiday your saturday crew is here i am jason Perone. Along with Packer Reports, Mark Eckel and Dairyland Expresses, Paul Bredel. Mark, out on the yeah. East Coast, how was Thanksgiving out in South Carolina?
2: It was nice. I was with my wife's family. Um, I get to say wife, not that but that's, that's, that's a little different for me. But <laughs> it was nice. But, but it was nice. Um, had a good time. I ate way too much. But um, other than that, it was good. And you know, it was. And, and the there wasn't much football to watch, two terrible games. But other than that, it was good. It was a good time.
3: That was a pretty pretty rough matchup. I always say two things are important on Thanksgiving: that you eat too much, and that there's some leftovers after the fact.
2: Oh, yeah, we got that too. All right.
3: <laughs> so you checked off you checked off both boxes, and then uh, we got to do the weather update. How's the weather looking?
2: Oh, t- actually, beautiful um, today. Unbelievable for today after Thanksgiving. I mean, there was actually a lot of. It wasn't just it wasn't just me. There was a lot of people on the beach today. Was it, for November twenty, what's today? Twenty seventh. Yep. It's it's unseasonably warm. It's like probably seventy five today. But it, but I don't want to jinx it. But when we talk next week, I'm not going to be as it's supposedly going to get a little cool next week.
3: A little cool. Well, speaking of cool, Paul Brettle <laughs> in the Dairyland state of Wisconsin, where the Packers host a Sunday night football game, and the low temperature on Sunday is projected at twenty seven degrees. Supposed to be partly sunny and forty five. How are we looking over in Wisconsin, Paul?
4: Beautiful Saturday. It's uh 47 and sunny. So we're going Christmas tree hunting. And the good news for Sunday's game, there are no projected 40-mile per hour winds. So we got that going for us this time. Last two home games against Minnesota and Jacksonville, the wind's been brutal.
3: Yeah, that was uh two that was twice in a row and like I said, interesting thing was that the The weather has seemed to always kind of like get out of town before the games on Sunday. I don't know if that's like the ghost of Lombardi taking care of things around Lambeau Field. I feel like the Packers have not had a lot of really bad, bad weather games in quite some time. But wind is one of those tough things. So uh, as we were discussing before we began, and as we always do every week, we have the injury report, and the final injury report came out on Friday. So... There is nobody listed as doubtful or out for the Packers, but there are six guys listed as questionable. So we will start with the wide receivers, since there are two wide receivers. Well, three if you, consider, if you count Tyler Irvin as a wide receiver. There's three guys that are listed. The first one, Marcos Valdez-Scantling, who popped up with an Achilles injury during the week. He didn't uh, he'd think he, he practiced on Wednesday, was limited on Thursday, And he did not participate on Friday, although he was on the exercise bike. It's an Achilles injury for MVS. The wide receiver position, as always and and forever this season, is, I won't say thin, but uh, there isn't a lot of uh, room for a drop-off. So Marcos Valdez-Scantling not being in there would be tough. But let's start with him, guys. So, obviously... A big topic of conversation was the end of the Colts game. It was unfortunate. Marcos Velde's can't link fumbles the football. The Colts get the ball back. The defense can't hold. And, of course, the Colts were already pretty much in field goal range. And a field goal later, the game in overtime is over, and the Colts win. So, Marcos Valdes, I we were talking about him but beforehand. I think we're all in the same camp. He's a valuable part of this offense. That's the first time that he's fumbled. And... Mark, I guess for our audience here too, since you've always got good stories, and you've got a lot of really good experience, right? There was a question that was asked of coach, head coach Matt LaFleur after the game, and it was phrased in a way that I didn't particularly care for by Mark Daniels. And I've already forgotten which outlet he's with, but essentially he asks Matt LaFleur, how can you live with Marquez Valdes Scantling? And then he also tweeted out something else out about how you know MVS is either brilliant or I think it was dumb. If I'm if I'm getting the words correct yeah. there, uh, correct. yeah. Mark, you've you've uh, you've got man, a little bit of experience covering football in a <laughs> in a professional sense. So, um, what was your take on that approach yeah. to asking that
2: question? The question was a bad question. Um, the wording was bad and. I, I've been around long enough i've I've heard worse i've I've heard worse questions asked um it was i mean i he if, if he would have said you know coach or Matt you know um how how tough is it with a guy like MVs that makes a great play and then has a bad play you know something I mean, there, there's a way to ask that question. It wasn't the worst line of questioning, but to say how can you live with them and then and I give him the floor all the credit in the world He gave him a great answer. And, I, and I, that that kind of bumps me out sometimes is when you know you you ask a good question and the coach will say yes you know <laughs> this guy asks a bad question he gets a great answer for it right but um, yeah it was terrible but what what bothered me more was the his 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 tweet that I that I saw in around I don't follow him so I don't I don't get his tweets but enough people comment enough people that I do follow did comment on, on it so I I did get to see it The call got dumb I mean. What he did wasn't dumb. I mean, there were some dumb plays in that game. I mean, there's dumb plays in games every week. You know, the the Colts getting called for nine holding penalties, six in a row when they're trying, whatever it was in a row when they're trying to use the clock up. That was dumb. You know, he it was a football play. He caught the pass, tried to get a first down. The, the Colts player made a good play and caused a fumble. It wasn't. There was nothing dumb about it. And 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 nothing that he's done this year has been dumb. I mean, dropping a pass isn't dumb it's a football play. The guy, they, you know, he, he dropped a pass. It happens. Jerry Rice has dropped it, Dro- dropped passes in his day. Devontae Adams dropped a couple of the week before. I mean, yeah, so sort of, I don't know Mark Daniels and I'm, I'm glad I don't, I don't really want to know him. Um, but it, it, it's, I think when, when we, as we were talking before, you said it, you know, it's kind of like a fan. He, he, he reacted like a fan, not like a, a professional re- reporter, um, i guess that's what he is, a TV re, 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 reporter um he's certainly not it's certainly not it certainly wasn't a journalistic question well, or, or
3: i've heard his i've heard his name before and his bio he's been on the Packers beat since nineteen eighty and he also apparently has some experience or enjoys uh prep football too but i don't know much else besides that
2: yeah i don't obviously i wouldn't know him but um and i find he's been around that long you would think id i'd, I'd know him from forever but um i mean just a poor choice of words in his questioning and then again another poor choice of words calling it calling a guy listen i've been around some some players that i don't think ever had a chance to join mensa but i never referred to them as referred to them as dumb yeah
3: yeah it's just it's it's disappointing it's really disappointing and paul as somebody who writes a thousand articles a day you know, you you and game reaction pieces, and you probably had to write some articles right after a game happened, and you had to like figure out a way to put the words down in a in a meaningful and productive way, despite the fact that you might be ticked off and want to throw your device out the window. I mean, you know, this is a professional asking a question like that. What was your reaction when you heard?
4: Uh, just that it was very reactionary, and like Mark said, a bit of a <clears throat> like a, a fan you know, perspective coming from it, angry that the Packers have lost and how it had happened. But, and I know MVS seems to be kind of a hot button topic just because of the the highs and lows that he has. But I think what gets overlooked is that the highs this season have been really, really good. And he's putting together a nice season. There was the fumble and there's been a few drop passes, but he's on pace for a hundred or 830 receiving yards this year. And he's averaging almost 21 yards per catch this year. He's leading the NFL in that category. Uh, you know, everyone wants the receivers to take a step forward from 2019 to 2020, and I think what's being missed is that MBS is doing that. Um, he's on pace to shatter what he did last season, and 830 yards is nothing to scoff at. You know, it's almost 1,000 yards, and realistically, he's within range where he still could do that. So he's putting together an impressive season. I think that um, the negative stuff just, The world we live in, it's easy to focus on that. But the negatives compared to the positives for MBS this season have been very few, and there's been a lot more positives out here. And Matt LaFleur said it. Aaron Rodgers has said it. He's a guy that this team needs. He is that deep threat. There's no one else on the team who has the speed that he does that can take the top off the defenses like he does. And so he's an important part of this team, and he's come up big numerous times. And he did again on Sunday as well. There was the catch that led to the field goal. The pass interference play before half led to a touchdown, uh, the block that sprung MBS, or not Equinemius St. Brown, and then that eventually turned into a touchdown, I believe. So, I mean, he was an important part of that game. It's just the last play is what everyone's going to remember, but he's having a really nice season.
5: 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to CompScore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Term and conditions apply.
3: Yeah, it's the first time he's fumbled. So it it can happen. And you want to talk about fumbling and turnovers. Aaron Rodgers had a fumble. I mean, it depends on who you want to blame the the, the center quarterback exchange on there. And then the interception that Rodgers threw, which... You know, I mean, this isn't an Aaron Rodgers uh, show necessarily. Fortunately, he's not on the injury report. But, you know, Rodgers has thrown a couple of uh, interceptions that are not what we're used to seeing since the, over the time that he's been a quarterback in Green Bay. So many other mistakes and a lot of things led to what happened. You know, we've been through games like that before where there's everyone focuses on the last mistake. Just ask Brandon Bostick. You know, there's there's a thousand other but, things that. But
2: that there's a there, don't compare what MVS did to what Brandon Boss did.
3: Well, that's I wouldn't compare. I mean, well, the, the, did
2: follow orders.
3: Well, the man, the order well, was blocked. Right,
2: right. the hell out of the way. Let Nelson catch the ball.
3: Right. Well, and the magnitude NBS of the game, the magnitude, the, the magnitude of the game too, and that's that's true. But there, that that is very true. If but if you
2: want to call, if you want to use words to describe Boston, go go right ahead. I'm not going to defend him. He didn't do what he was told to do. He was told to block.
3: Right. He well, to at, catch the, ball. the point is, is that was still one of 8,500 other True. things True. that, that led to that moment. But yeah, that, uh, and you know, clearly he understands the mistake that he's made. He's done plenty of interviews on it since then. But Mark was,
2: that was a, a boneheaded play. He was not, he didn't listen to orders. It's just like if Ty Montgomery. When he was told to take the knee right. in the end zone yep. and give the, and give Rogers the ball twenty, and he tries to bring it out and fumble. That's yep. I don't have I have no tolerance for things like like that. A fumble, like I said, you know, give. Sometimes you got to give the other guys credit too. The, the 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 Colts safety made a heck of a play, knocking it loose. I mean, you know, it, so you know, fumbles happen, interceptions happen. Same with Rodgers' interception. Yeah, he wasn't the greatest ball he's ever thrown, but the Colts corner made a hell of a play on it. I mean. Right. Something you know, those guys are getting paid too. Mm-hmm. But to not follow orders or to, or to not do what you were, what you were told, you know, that's that's where I get that's where I draw the line. Yeah, anyway, I'm sorry.
3: right. Raven Green made a nice play just like that. The, the same way he punched exactly. punched the ball out. You know, it's that's that's at that point of the game. Why would that's what? You're, of course, that's going to happen because the Colts want the ball right there. And, and guess what happens if they get the ball right there? Kick a field goal and game sure. over.
2: Packers. And again, if if that guy was blocked. Like he was supposed to be blocked by 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 the tight end, and he he doesn't get to MVS, and maybe MVS gets their first down, and the Packers go down and score and win the game. Who
3: knows? And that's but, you know that's the other thing too is the the and I don't always know exactly what everyone's responsibility is on every play, but it's easy to get emotional and say Marcos Veldt scantly fumbled, but it's like well look at some of the other things that happened on that play that led to why the fumble happened. You know, like you said, did everyone did everyone block? Did everyone do their assignment? Did everyone do what they were supposed to do? I think. I think MBS, honestly, I hope he's able to play on Sunday night against the Bears. Yeah, me too. Be, because I think he is a man on a mission. And he's already faster than most people on the field. But now that he's pissed off and he he wants to make some noise and prove that he, he's fine and that he can do something. Or if, if playing mad, like, you know, Rodgers has the chip on his shoulder and when you activate that version of Aaron Rodgers, he's dangerous. If, if MBS wants to throw... Throw down 150 yards and, and three touchdowns on Sunday night. I don't have any problem with that. I think I think that would be great. I I actually am encouraged by what we've seen from him the last two weeks. And if the Packers have decided to go with him over bringing yet another receiver, and now Funchess, Devin Funches didn't play because of COVID, which is a factor that no one knew about when they signed him, then are you MVS better step up and be that guy. And he has. He kind of has. I mean, it, the arrow is pointing in the right direction, but he's got to – He's got to put together a couple more good games and, and maintain that consistency. But hey, look, anybody can fumble. Every single player has made a mistake at, at times before. Uh, you know, speaking of which, uh, real quick side note here former Packers defensive back Charles Woodson, a semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and no, no question about it. Absolutely deserved it. But even Charles had some games that weren't his best. Everybody struggles at some point. And, and I think I'm, I'm talking into the abyss right now because I, I think most, most Packers fans support MVS. It was the meatheads that were making comments. you know. And he, The death threats and just stuff like that, we've talked about it before. Social media is, is an, a, a blessing and sometimes an even bigger curse. And it's, it's unfortunate that, that that happened. But as far as MVS goes, as far as the offense, Paul gave us some numbers there. 21 yards a, a catch like that's big. That's big. I guess, Mark, I'll ask, did you, did you know that was the number? Because I, I didn't. That's that yes. is that's moving.
2: No, that, I didn't realize he was leading the league. But, yeah, no, he's a home run hitter. I mean, that's what he is. We were joking. I mean, I compare him to – I'm, I'm going to show, show my age here. Um, I compare him to, to a guy named Dave Kingman in baseball. Mm-hmm. Older fans will remember him. You brought up a more contemporary and more packer guy Rob Deer. I mean, it's what he does. He hits home runs. He you does, know, but there's some strikeouts involved in there too. Um, and but again, I mean, you know, listen, if he was, if he was everything, he'd be Devontae Adams. I'm <laughs> saying, but he's not. He's, he's a, you know, he was a fifth for a fifth round pick. He's become a pretty good player.
3: Yeah, he's been he's been good. He's been good. I can We're live. In. I I can live with MBS. And I tend to get a little over-reactional over, over uh, reactional and over-emotional on game day, especially when things don't go well. I can absolutely live with MVS. I I wasn't even as frustrated. I was more frustrated with some of the Darius Shepard gaffes, honestly. Even at the end of the game when they lost, like I was more frustrated with the whole Darius Shepard thing because I just, you know, my it, it's always cloudy in Phoenix. It's not Philadelphia, but I always say it's always cloudy in Phoenix, demeanor that I have sometimes. I just feel like that's going to be more costly to this Packers team than MVS you know, having an anomaly fumble against the Colts, so it's it was fine. But the yeah, Packers are going to need him. Packers are going to need him because Equanime St. Brown is also listed as questionable with a knee injury. Tyler Irvin same injury he had, right? I, I believe so. Yep, it is. And yep, he, he had the, a knee the, last run? had a knee last week. So I I think you know there, there's a chance that EQ plays. I don't know why he was limited all week, but he didn't regress. And then Tyler Irvin, wrist and ribs, same thing, limited all week, quest, listed as questionable. I'd have to think that. He's going to play. There was some noise that came out late in the week that the Packers are trying out former Cowboys and Rams kick returner and wide receiver Tavon Austin. Uh, it was also announced on Friday that the Texans released Kenny Stills, wide receiver. So the Packers now he has to go through waivers, but the Packers might have some options if they wanted to look somewhere else for some kick return stability. If Tyler Irvin either, either isn't ready to go, can't isn't they don't want to put him back there or for for whatever reason, but that. There's three guys right there in the offense that are, are listed as questionable. It may not be 100%. And Tyler Irvin has always been a, a kind of a little mini X factor on the offense. There's just there's more things that the offense can do and be with, with him than without him. So as far as the passing game goes, and we're talking about a Bears defense, that that's the strength of their team. They haven't been very good this season overall, but I think the offense has been their biggest issue. The defense is pretty good. So as far as, as beating the Bears defense, you've got Eddie Jackson back there at safety, Kyle Fuller at cornerback. They've, they've got some good defensive backs there. So Paul, start with you. Any concern? Let's say all three go, but if you've got a banked up MVS, for example, and, and Tyler Irvin, any concerns with how this offense might churn against a really good Bears defense?
4: I mean, yeah, of course, even if they're, 100 percent all 100 percent healthy you're still a bit worrisome just because of how good this Bears defensive unit is as you measured I mean they're as you mentioned they're very good at getting after the quarterback Khalil Mack and uh, I think Akeem Hicks somehow flies under the radar a little bit with Mack there but he's just excellent inside um, and then their secondary as well Eddie Jackson has been removed from the COVID reserve list so he is going to play on Sunday as well for the Bears so I mean that's huge and what the Packers are, it's going to be tough running the ball and in recent weeks the Packers haven't ran the ball nearly as efficiently as what they did at the start of the season, and it's not going to get any easier this week. So having a guy like Irvin available and hopefully as close to 100% as possible because someone like him getting the ball in space, letting them pick up yards after the catch because they're going to have to get the ball quick out quick out of Rodgers' hands. As good as the Packers' offensive line has been, uh, the Bears are still going to create some pressure, and so quick passes are going to be key in this game. Packers have been a lot better at doing that this season, but it's something that they'll they'll have to stick to, and kind of that holding on to the ball and running around, it's just not going to work as well this week.
6: Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or an overbearing parent screaming words of wisdom from the stands, fewer than 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Whether it be 30 years of Hall of Fame QB play in Green Bay, or 30 years of quarterback torture in Chicago, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for watching football.
3: Yeah. It's it, it obviously mitigate the pass rush, and the, and the Bears have have a good one. And Mac by himself, I mean, it was two years ago, but he wrecked the first half of that game, the Packers' miracle comeback game with, in the opener in 2018. But get the ball out quick. I mean, Mark, anything to add as far as the offense goes? I mean, that game plan seems to, to work well for me, and uh, I wouldn't mind a, a healthy dose of, of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams running the ball effectively. Akeem Hicks is actually lifted, listed as questionable. He's got a hamstring injury, and he did not practice uh, – Actually, it looks like he didn't practice all week, and he's listed as questionable.
2: Yeah, I I think Akeem should take his time. To come back him. <laughs> yeah. uh, he needs rest. The best thing for hamstring is is rest. rest. Just but ask Reggie White. White. Right, and, and holy water, but I don't know if Akeem has the same holy water that Reggie.
3: Oh White has no, watched. he does
2: not. Uh, so let's just rest it up, Akeem. Get ready for the, uh, you know, those last five games are going to be important for you. So don't don't feel you have to come back this week. Uh, no, the thing with with Tyler Irvin, I just want to add is he's the kind of guy you don't realize how important he is until he's not there. Great point. I mean, I think I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. I don't. I don't. I'll ask you guys. Um, they, if he's healthy last week, the Packers win the game.
3: I think so. It's, I mean, special teams alone. I think yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's a much. I think there's a much better chance.
2: Yeah, I mean there wouldn't you know, and he just adds so. Like like we talked about him in the past, like. Even if he doesn't do anything necessarily on the play, he you know when he goes in motion and when he does all those little things, the defense has to be aware of it and it, and it opens up something else. I mean, just like the I threat him, of him getting them. Yeah, all. yeah, because he's in motion. He's doing, and you notice they had other guys do it last week. Same Brown did it on a couple of plays. Um, I think MBS did it on the play ended in a fumble, but. Um, yeah, I want Irvin. Irvin's good. I mean, that was a nice, nice, nice pickup. And now, now he, he just has to stay healthy because, you know, you, you you need him on the field, both special teams and and offense.
4: I mean, in the Niners game, it was required because they were so short at the running back position, but that was the most like extensive action he got as far as having the ball in his hands. And you saw what he could do picking up yards after the catch, making plays in the passing game, and that's why defenses have to be aware and respect him so much when he's coming in motion – you know, in that split second, you've got to decide, does he have the ball? Does Rodgers have the ball? Are they handing it off to Jones? Are they not? Yep. Are they passing the ball? And then all of a sudden, that freezes the defense a little bit, yep. opens up passing lanes, uh, allows the blockers to get in better position, you know, at the point of attack and the second level. It's all this little nuanced stuff that doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but, I mean, we've talked about it a bunch. He's important.
2: Yeah, he's a free agent at the end of the year. And I, he's a guy that no one's talking about him when they when they talk about, you know, Lindsley and King and Williams and Jones, but I mean, he's not going to cost you nearly as much as any of them. And, but I would have him, I, you know, I want him back at a, you know, at a reasonable figure as much as I wanted any of the other ones, to be honest with you.
3: I would as well. I like, you're not going to stumble across like a full on Aaron Jones, but I almost wonder what the percentage is of you finding a running back. That's like Aaron Jones, as much as, as versatile as Tyler Irvin, if you're going to draft one and not bring him back. Like, it just seems like that's so hard to find. When you find somebody who's young and able and they can do all the things Tyler Irvin does, you ride the horse until, until the, or you ride it till the wheels fall off, right? So I love Tyler Irvin. I think he's he's one of those players that, again, he's one of those players that I think we're going to still be talking about 10 years from now, and hopefully that's because he was part of a Super Bowl team and he did something special, but he's got that potential to do that, I think, you know? So moving on from the wide receiver position, one guy that, this is this is interesting. Corey Lindsay's listed as questionable. Guys, I don't know about you, but when he walked off the field, I was watching out of the TV mm-hmm. copy. I mean, it looked bad. And I've had back issues before. I he's I don't do anything remotely close to what Corey Lindsay does on a weekly basis. I can't believe that. And and Matt Lafleur actually said that there's there's a chance that Lindsay plays on Sunday. They either have a phenomenal. Medical and and training staff, which of course they do, they're a professional football team, or maybe he's got the holy water. I I don't know. I don't know what you what you guys thought. I mean, a back for a center, it just it just looked it looked like it locked up on him completely, and and I can tell you from you know having had some of that stuff happen in the past too. That's rough. But obviously, if Corey Lindsley can go, then that means Elton Jenkins can play somewhere else, and it just makes the offensive line all that much more solid. But Mark, I'll start with you. The, the, the other point I want to make, too, is that John Runyon, and I, I'm knocking on wood here, but John Runyon has yet to disappoint us in relief duty when he's been called on. So it's not great when you're starting offensive linemen aren't able to play, but the Packers are getting a nice look at, at their potential future on the offensive line, and it doesn't look too bad.
2: No, you're right. And I was a little surprised. Um, I was surprised twofold, and I agree. I agree. When when Lindsay came off the field, and then I watched the same thing you watched, uh, Jason. I'm thinking, you know, not only is he done. I'm thinking we. I've seen the last of Corey Lindsley. Yeah. I, think, I, I thought he was done for the year, and then you know, who knows what happens in free agency? But yeah, it looked. And obviously, it wasn't as bad. Now, again, backs are tricky. I mean, I have, I have a really bad back, and then as I get older, it gets worse. But but it it comes and goes. Like I could be Monday, I'd be like, "Oh my god, I can't get out of bed," and then Wednesday I'm fine. So and like you said, he has the best people in the world working on him. I have some pretty good people, but not not like he has. But anyway, um, it looks like he's going. Yeah, the coach made it sound like he's going to play. You know, so that's interesting. But I was surprised when 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 he did go out. Two things surprised me. One was Ronald Jake is moving to center. Um, didn't shock me, but I thought Patrick might move to center. Um, if I like if they if you asked me what I thought was going to happen, I would have said well probably Patrick, uh, but I would like I said, Jay. And then Runyon coming in that surprised me even more. I thought they might bring Wagner in and move Turner to guard, like you know since he played there all last year, and Wagner is their you know free agent that they signed to play tackle. Uh, but they did it their way and it worked out. I thought pretty well, Jake. Elton Jenkins or something, man. I mean, every position he plays, I'm like, he's pretty good. At, like, maybe that's his best position. I don't I don't know what his best position is because he's pretty good at all.
3: Yeah, he's great. He really is. He's been very versatile. Second-round pick from 2019 has paid off some pretty big dividends, and then that sets a huge bar because remember all the second-round wide receivers that Ted Thompson hit on, and it always seemed to be such a, a good round, and that's maybe part of the reason why, and I mean, it's not great that A.J. Dillon hasn't contributed more. The Packers' first two picks in this draft haven't haven't contributed first much three. to the success of first this team. Three. Oh, the three, yeah, because DeGuar is injured and hurt. But A.J. Dillon, you know, being a being a running back and then having to follow up uh, Elton Jenkins. I mean, Jenkins is uh, a steal. I mean, I guess the, no. the, in the second round, if you look at everything that he can do, by the time all is said and done, I don't I, getting him in round two is gonna going to have been
2: a huge steal. But as far as the offense. That- but that might have been next year's line that that we saw again you know, the last week. That could very easily be what next year's line looks like. Yep. Cains at center with Patrick and uh runyon at guard and Bacchiari and Turner at tackle. I mean you that know, very well could be.
3: And I don't I don't mind it. You know, I guess Paul, I'll I'll ask you if that's the case, how do you feel? If if that is the line moving forward. I know we're talking about Corey Lindsley. But I also want to ask you guys something too, if if you've noticed this. It it looks to me like David Bakhtiari is about a quarter of a step early on a lot of snaps, and he doesn't get called on it because he's David Bakhtiari. But yeah. I have a feeling when it gets to playoff time, there's going to be a head coach. And if it was, you know, it would, it would make sense if it was Mike Zimmer, but the Vikings aren't going to make the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. But zing. But some coach is going to get in a referee's ear. And at some critical point or critical moment this season, they're going to someone's going to call David Bakhtiari for a false start, and it's going to be catastrophic. I, I don't know if you guys have have ever ever noticed that. Uh, I guess Paul will start with you, and then you know, as far as the way that the line ended up in, in the future, and your thoughts on that.
4: So, yeah, I have seen that, and I think I think he's done this for most of his career. I think he just times it really, really well. And so, if there's a complaint to be had, I feel like it would have happened by now, or maybe it already has by opposing teams. Uh, but it doesn't seem to affect what the referees call on him. And as far as the offensive line goes, I mean, I'm very encouraged. I wrote earlier this week about how I'm pleasantly surprised at how good the future, and I guess future I just kind of looked ahead to 2021 more so than past that, um, how good the offensive line can look next year. Because coming into the season, you know, Bakhtiari was a free agent or pending free agent, Lindsley as well, and still is. I didn't know what the heck to expect from the right side of the offensive line with Wagner, uh, Turner, you know, who's going to play tackle, what about Lane Taylor, all that stuff. So I've been pleasantly surprised with this unit and now looking ahead to 2021 because, like Mark said, I do think that what we saw um, on Sunday could be the offensive line unit next next year. So I'm very encouraged with their play. And then as far as Corey Lindsley goes, I really hope that he can be back If there's or start on Sunday. If there's a game where you want Corey Lindsay playing, it's going to be against this Bears defensive front. As I mentioned, we know Khalil Mack's on the edge. Keem Hicks is questionable, but if he plays, he's someone who can destroy the middle. And as good as Elton was at center and pretty much wherever else he goes, this unit is at their best when Lindsay's at center and Jenkins is back at guard because if John Runyon's at guard, and then Akeem Hicks is over him. There's going to be some welcome to the NFL moments. And
3: you don't want the price of, of learning what those moments are to be to be at the expense of Aaron Rodgers getting sacked or the Packers losing a game that they shouldn't. But, yeah, I would, I would agree. You want, your, you want your, your best players where they belong. And so, Corey Lindsay being out there would be a big get back for the Packers. But, again, limited all three days, back injury, Uh, we shall see, but it sounds like Lindsey's got a good chance to play, which is not a bad thing. And then the only other two on the injury report, both represent in the cornerback position. You've got Josh Jackson who was in the concussion protocol, didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, limited on Friday, questionable. And Kevin King, this, this time it's an Achilles, and it was not reported on Wednesday, and then he was limited on both Thursday and Friday. So he's recovered from the quad, and now he's got an Achilles injury, so Kevin King, and I realize my tone makes it sound like I'm doing some sort of a parody news report, but I'm running out of, I'm running out of ways to make it sound um, not surprising that Kevin King is on the injury list again, but played well last week, I guess he takes orders very well if they're going to play some of that soft zone defense and, and that we saw in the passing game. I'm never a fan of stand at the stand at the first down marker and then try to keep everything in front of you. Clearly, that didn't work very well. And when you've got a, a corner like Kevin King, I know he isn't the fastest, fastest guy on the field, but I would think that he's got enough ability to do more than they threw at the Colts as far as the Colts receivers go. And the, the Bears have Allen Robinson, and so they've they've got some weapons in the passing game. But you know, then again, who's the, who's a quarterback, and that's going to be Mitch Trubisky. So. As far as the cornerback position goes, it uh, doesn't sound like King is in too much danger of not playing unless I miss something, Mark. I don't know what your take
2: is on that. I think he'll play. He had the Achilles last week. They added it. I didn't think – I was – I didn't, wasn't 100% sure he was going to play last week when they added him on Saturday right after we after we did the show. We were talking him up like he was going to be fine and play, and then they added mm-hmm. him to the report with the Achilles. And I was like, oh, Jesus, he's going to miss another – you know. But he played, played the whole game. Didn't, didn't show no, you know, didn't come out or anything. And then um, he was limited, but that's fine. I mean, it, again, this time of year, there's no reason to if you if you're if you're a little nicked up, limited's good enough. Um, so yeah, I think I'll play, and I think Jackson will play too because obviously, if he was if he was allowed to practice Friday, then he's had a he's, he passed the protocol, so you know, you know, he'll be, he'll be fine. And um, yeah, this is probably looking at over looking over the whole thing. Now, Dylan and Barnes are still on COVID nineteen, though, right?
3: Yeah, they're not off. Well, could you? I don't know, Paul. Any insight? Can they? Can they be? Can Come they on. make it on Saturday?
2: Yes, that's when they do usually. But still, they haven't practiced though again all week. I'm a little worried about those two. But um, this is probably the healthiest the Packers have been since the, since game one, right?
3: Is there any it's not bad. I mean it's it's definitely not a bad situation for them to be in but uh do the teams have leeway in terms of like yeah it's a covid diagnosis but hey he's also got like a really like rough shoulder injury but we're not going to mention that part we're just going to call him a covid reserver and then no, just bring no, him that's, back that's for No that's not so you die. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> then they say you died from covid whether you got shot in the head 3 times but you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no. Um no, I think they're. I mean, Dillon was fine. Dylan had no injury until he caught the caught the virus, right? He he, he was healthy he as he was never on any injuries.
3: I don't think so. No, he was. No, he, he was yeah, you know, he was. Yeah, he was fine. Um, I'm know, just Chris, a
2: little worried. It's been three weeks. That's pretty long for these. I mean, most other teams, it's like a week, and then a guy comes back. Well, you know? and, so I'm I'm a little concerned. Well,
3: I want these guys to be healthy, but when you've got Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. You can, I'm
2: just more concerned for him. Per, I mean,
3: I'm, personally, yeah, no
2: one's not gonna play, but I'm just hoping he's not really sick.
3: Okay? Sure. And I don't know. I'm being callous and looking at it just strictly from a team standpoint. But if you're if you're looking at it from a like, how do they mitigate the loss? Because there is a game that's going to be played. You got Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams at running back. They they, they probably could they could probably cover for AJ Dillon. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say, tongue and cheek there. And then it's our inside linebacker. It's turned into a, a position of strength now. Christian Kirksey's back, and you know Kirksey. What really Kirk, Well, well, well good I, it's.
2: I mean, it's not bad
3: though. I mean, I, I guess maybe uh, they gave I,
2: up 30, 34 points last week.
3: They they did, but <laughs> Christian Kirksey, you know, if it, if 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 New York decides to rule it differently, and I think they made the right call. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think they made the right call. I mean, technically speaking. River's arm did get hit before it started moving forward, but right, Philip Rivers just has a strong arm. He's still got a spiral on the ball, so to me it's a pass. It was. Forward it was. pass, but I mean, Kirksey nearly nearly ends up with a, uh, I mean, the, the tip pick, it's like, well, at least he caught the ball. He's a linebacker. Those guys aren't expected to catch the football. So he caught the ball, and then he almost had a, you know, a massive game-winning fumble return if they had ruled it that way. So, you know, Kirksey there, and Kamal Martin's been... Okay, I guess we haven't seen him make too many big, big plays. And then Ty Summers has you know, been really good on special teams, and he's he's okay in the middle. But I guess I haven't seen enough sample size. They have they have more talent, you know. They definitely yeah, they're,
2: have. They're getting there. They're getting
3: there. They definitely have more talent on the inside. I'm not
2: ready. To, I'm, I'm not ready to praise anybody on defense right now, except maybe Kenny Clark and gyre Alexander. But.
3: well, and Paul. Okay, so Paul the soft zone. Chances are, and I got to tell you guys too, I ever since I started this new job, I've just been buried in it, and it's going well, everything's fine, but I I haven't been as dialed in as I normally am. So chances are one of the 38 pieces that you've written this last week, Paul, was addressing (laughs) the the pass coverage against the Colts as far as that soft zone goes. So while we're talking about Josh Jackson and Kevin King, your thoughts on those two and then this soft zone that Mike
4: Pettin seems to like to employ. Yeah, I mean, the – The frustrating part in all of it is just the fact that we keep seeing the same mistakes and the same things happen week over week that dooms this defense. It's the the dime personnel, which the Packers play heavily, I think it's over 50% of the time, which of course is going to make it easier to run on them. And then it's the soft zone coverages, which just opens up the underneath routes. And I mentioned that on the show last week that the Colts are a team that loves to take advantage of those. Rivers isn't a quarterback at this point in his career. The numbers show it who's going to push the ball downfield. Yet the Packers played like that's what they were worried about, getting beat by the deep ball. And what makes it even more frustrating, like I said, it seems to happen week after week, but you have Jair Alexander and Kevin King. Like if you can't trust those two guys – to play close to the line of scrimmage and not give up the big play, and of course, it, yes, it is going to happen. It's football, but more times than not, obviously they're they're guys that you that you can trust to lock it down, and you can play more aggressively. And this week with the Bears, I mean, Mitch Trubisky's at quarterback. If you Give him that opportunity to complete those easy throws. I mean, he's still an NFL quarterback. He's going to make those, and how do you get a guy going? You let him complete five in a row, you know, and let the runners pick up yards after the catch. So if there's a week where I'm, we're hopefully going to see them play more aggressively, and I'm kind of hoping it's a little bit like the Niners game, and I know the Niners were really beat up, but the Packers did play more aggressively because Nick Mullins was that quarterback. They were down their top receivers. And I know the Bears still have Allen Robinson, who's an excellent receiver, but the Packers have Jai Alexander as well. So I'm hoping that they play more aggressively. Like I said, for all the reasons that I mentioned, it's just getting to a point where you just—how many times are you going to smack your head up against the wall? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just the same thing week after week, and something has something has to change. The one positive though is. In terms of the pass rush, and this is a not very good Bears offensive line, the pass rush this year for the Packers has not been anywhere near what it was last year, but they've taken advantage of the bad offensive lines. Their top pressures per game this season came against Atlanta, Jacksonville, and Houston, who all rank in the bottom third of the NFL in terms of pressures allowed, and then against the Niners as well. But like I said, they they don't rank down there, but during that game they were down several of their starting offensive linemen. The Bears ranked 23rd in pressures allowed, so I'm hoping that this is another game where we see Rashawn Gary, Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark getting after the quarterback, Preston Smith as well, hopefully, because even though they haven't been as consistent this year, when they've gone up against poor offensive lines, they have taken advantage of them.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is... I I don't want to cry, you know, draft game or any of those crazy things in this weekend's game, but when you've got a defense like Chicago's and it's a rivalry game or for whatever pride matters there, it's, it's not one that you want to see the Packers brain fart on. And I can remember a couple of games in recent history. And I mean, I guess I'm going back five or six years. I mean, they had that game that, that they lost. I think it was in 2015 where they were honoring Brett Farr. I think they, they put his number up in the ring at halftime and the bears ended up winning that game. It was Thanksgiving. I think it wasn't that Thanksgiving and it was just one of those games that they shouldn't the Packers had no business they had no business losing but they did so you know you you can't you can't take it for granted but as far as and I and I think this um I'll have to look it up but I think I saw a stat that the Packers can add their 100th victory in the series if they if they win this weekend over the Bears Mark do I have that correct? I believe so. And it and it's you know it's, it's I, don't, I don't think
2: you can make that one up.
3: Well, it's incredible because for the longest time, uh yeah, 99, 95 and 6, the Packers lead the all-time series, and Mark for as many jokes as you make about how long you've been a Packers fan and how long you've been around, it wasn't until just as recently as the rest of us that you saw the Packers actually take a lead in this series because they didn't have one oh, for God. for
2: what 80 oh, years? No, I go through the bad well, – I God, I could tell you not on the bad – Bears, Packer, Bear games when you know, uh, you know William Perry scoring touchdowns on Monday Night Football against them, and um, you know the who was the guy Martin for the, I mean there was a bad play I and mean, he picked up big man and body slammed them, you know the Packers got blown out of that, out of that game, um, yeah there's you know, you know what's funny about the Packers and Bears, and as great a rivalry as it is, and probably the best, it's the longest rivalry in the NFL, probably. I think it's still the best. Um, yeah, I'm gonna call it the best. It's there's, there's only been a couple years where they've both been good. It's usually like when the when the Bears were really good, the Packers were really bad, and then when the Packers got really good, the Bears kind of got bad. And there's been I think for instance they they've only met twice in the playoffs. And a hundred, I mean, they, you know, they played almost 200 times in, in, in a regular season, but they've only met twice in the playoffs. You would think. Somehow, along the, you know all those houses and Lombardies and like they would have played somehow, right? I yep. mean, twice. That's it. Yeah, it's the one uh, one. Yeah, the it's Bears it. won back in the '40s, and the Packers won that NFC Championship game against them. Um, you know, be, before they beat the Steelers in the, in the Super Bowl. So the first meeting between these
3: teams was. We're recording this on Friday, which is the 27th of November, 99 years ago today. So I didn't cover
2: that. I wasn't. I, I don't remember that.
3: One. Yeah, no. I was. You were, you were off that day. Yeah, November twenty seventh, nineteen twenty one. It was when they were the Chicago Staleys, the longest win streak the Bears owned from nineteen eighty five to eighty eight, and that was right when I started following the Packers. So I, I had this uh, this idea that the Packers could never beat the Bears, which they couldn't. That was also during the Bears' like you know Super Bowl ish run, and they were still really good then. And it wasn't until the we have a reversal game in 89 that the Packers ended that streak but they've they've faced each other yeah they faced each other 200 times but the Packers have a chance to uh, add a triple digit win total in this in this series and that's true it's interesting that they haven't faced each other in, in more meaningful games now in the I guess the, yeah I mean you know to get to get past Chicago and then to also win the Super Bowl in 2010 that's that's a big cherry on top of the Sunday as you get a, you, you get a, you get a couple of really, really big wins coming out of that that whole scenario there. And then Paul, in your case, I know we we do this to you because you're the junior member of the team, but you know for the most part you've enjoyed a lot of success against the Chicago Bears. So I know that you respect them as an opponent. But do you have any concerns that there could be another letdown at Lambeau this week?
4: I mean, absolutely. Anytime you're going up against a a, a divisional foe in a big rivalry game, I mean, we saw with the Vikings, the Packers were and are the better team, but they still got beat. Um, And the Bears have one of the top defenses in the league. So I think it's going to be a close game just just given given that regard. And like I said, you can never count out a a divisional foe. I expect a a close one, but absolutely the Packers should win this game just because, I mean, I don't care, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky, who is that quarterback, Um, it it doesn't really matter in that regard. The Packers should win.
3: Adam Schefter reported two hours ago on Friday that uh, head coach Matt Nagy has officially named Mitch Trubisky the starting quarterback for Sunday's game against the Packers. Nick Foles is officially listed as doubtful, so that would seem to match up there. But like you said, Paul, you give – you know, you give Mitch Trubisky enough time, the Packers pass rush can't be effective and doesn't get there, then it's it it can be a little bit of a long day
4: for the Packers. And hopefully, season. we see some uh, energy at Lambeau Field. We haven't seen that the last two times here.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's and I don't I don't know that I buy the whole crowd factor. Although I don't know, maybe I'm discounting it. Maybe, maybe I'm discounting are,
2: it. I think you are a little bit. I think. I mean, players play off that stuff. They, you know, they like hearing Go Pack Go and the songs. And, you know, Roger said it himself. He, he he likes that roll out the barrel or whatever they play. I don't know. Um, but, again, the players have to overcome that. I mean, it's, listen, it's a different year. It's a different surroundings. Everything, 2020 has been weird. And you got to overcome those kind of things and, and play well. They You know, they haven't, I mean, look at the home games this year, right? I mean, they, they started off okay. They beat the They beat the Lions at home, but it wasn't. Actually, they weren't that great at that Lions game. The best home game was probably the Falcons game, right on Monday night.
4: Yeah, I think so. And yeah. the discouraging part about the last two home games, and you can bring up the weather and forty mile per hour winds, absolutely are a factor. But you're going against two inferior opponents: one who plays in a dome, and one who's from Florida. Like if there's the right. if there's ever if there's a team in this league who should embrace. The crappy conditions. It's absolutely the Green Bay Packers, but that hasn't been the case. No. So yeah, I mean, I, I
2: agree. You know, I think I think they win this week. Obviously, I mean, they they'll be favored from here on out. They're an eight and a half point favorite this week. You should when you're an eight and a half point. I'm not saying they have to cover, but you should win as an eight and a half point favorite. I mean, you know, there's a reason that that lines eight and a half.
3: It's actually up to nine and a half. Did it go
2: up? Yeah, it's up to Was nine it? and a half now. Wonder what 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 did something call, maybe
3: Hicks.
2: You know, uh, could, well,
3: I mean, two hours ago, Matt Nagy named Mitch Trubisky the starting quarterback.
2: <laughs> you you kind of knew Foles wasn't going to play, right? right. I, mean, yeah. I mean, I was wondering if Trubisky was going to play because he was he was banged up. I thought they might play that other guy.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, Packers just need to take care of business, you know. And we we talked last week, and Mark, I didn't I didn't get totally my assignment done as far as the NFC East goes. I oh, went, yeah. I did go through the playoff machine, but I was more focused <laughs> on the NFC picture. And I think I've figured out a little bit of the answer as to why the Packers' chances of the one seed went down so much after losing last week. Because yeah. the schedule the rest of the way, and I don't want to, you know, I, I tried to break it down on, on quick slants. Earlier this week, and I, I think I did a very convoluted job, so I don't know if I made all of my listeners cross-eyed because I was kind of talking it through as I was looking at it instead of you know <laughs> writing it out ahead of time. But the Rams, Seattle, and New Orleans all have seemingly, and, and New Orleans has got some challenges because Drew Brees is hurt for a while, really? or, or he, i don't know if he's expected to come back at all. But the the Rams, because the Rams were bad last year, they've got a they've got a third-place schedule or a last-place schedule. And they are plowing through everybody on it. So they've got a, a, an easy road to, to winning the the rest of their games, although they've got some divisional games. They're going to have to face the Cardinals at least once more. The Cardinals are kind of in it, but they're kind of on the outside looking in, so I'm not really as worried about them. But very sneaky-like, Seattle actually has a path to the, the number one seed. And getting back in getting back in there, if Seattle wins out, even if, if Green Bay wins out too, I'd, I'd have to double-check this. Um, I think Seattle still somehow has a tiebreaker, and they end up with the one seed. So the, well, the, the,
2: the Rams have a tough schedule. I think the Rams have to play Arizona twice and Seattle again. That's not easy. Well, let's. So
3: we're in. We're in. We're in week week thirteen. So <clears throat> this week, actually, it's uh, so it's next week. This is when the Packers host the Eagles. They cannot afford to lose that game. So Mark, you're right. Rams are at. The Cardinals in week 13, in week 14 they host the Patriots. Week 15 they host the Jets. Thank you, schedulers, and that's just a, that's just the formula. We can't do anything about that. Uh, week 16 Rams at Seattle, and then week 17 Cardinals at Rams. So yeah, the Rams. I mean, I guess I guess the Rams have don't have it as easy the rest of the way. I mean, a lot of things are going to happen. I mean, look what happened to the Steelers and the Ravens game. There's a lot of factors that could change this NFC race, but I don't know. It just, it's, it seems to me like that was a game that the Packers kind of sneaky, just needed to, to stay with everybody. But again, you know, the pack that they, they, they just, they, they don't hold their destiny in their own hands anymore. And with only one number one seed and one bye week, I guess that's that's maybe one of the reasons, but I, I didn't, Mark, I'm sorry. The point I'm making, Mark, is that I failed. I did not turn in my homework on time. Yes,
2: you were supposed to do. You were supposed to tell me who's going to win the <laughs> NFC and how many I, wins are going to happen.
3: I know. I completely failed, so you can right, you can well, ding me for that, kangaroo court. I'm going
2: to ding you. You're, you're going to lose points, but now I'm going to give – I'm a nice teacher.
1: All right. I'm going to extend it one week. <laughs> okay.
2: i give you a one-week extension. All right. Next Friday, I expect. It's a simple it's a simple t- problem here. I'm not giving you making you know, it's not calculus
3: here. Well it is I don't, I don't know how me. I don't know how simple it is when the, not, the You don't have to
2: count past six, you know.
3: <laughs> I don't know. Me studying the NFC East this year or trying to learn Latin in a week, like I think my chances of uh, enjoying either are about and the see, same.
2: I I I take it the other way around. The NFC East is like one plus one is two. I mean it's it's it's, it's remedial math. <laughs> It's not real difficult
3: here. Yeah, I mean, uh, our our friend, our friend Mike McCarthy gets uh, plays mm-hmm. in his first Thanksgiving game and uh, ends up taking a loss to the Washington football team. So the Cowboys are not doing well in 2020. I guess we'll just leave it at that. No, no, no. Mike,
2: neither is Mike.
3: Yeah, Mike. Mike McCarthy's having some some struggles. Um, that's 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 for sure. old um, Mike. So. What do we got going on this week? We're getting into kind of the home stretch of the schedule here. The Packers have – they've got the Bears. It's interesting the way this worked out. They finished up with the Vikings before they even saw the Bears once.
2: Yeah, which is
3: weird. So they've got the Bears twice and the Lions as far as the divisional games. And then you've got the Eagles, the Panthers, and the Titans. Am I leaving anybody out?
2: That's it.
3: Yeah, so interesting slate. And they've got that Saturday game in there as well, so – um, what do we got going on this week from a writing standpoint before we sign off, everybody? Paul, over at Dairyland Express, what's happening this week? It's a Sunday night game, so I don't know if that changes your output.
4: Yeah, so on Saturday, I got my three X factors for uh, this Packers-Bears game. And then Friday, yesterday, over at uh, G Said TV, I wrote about how Aaron Rodgers has seen a resurgence this year in terms of play action. Uh, The Packers are running it more than what they have in recent years, and Rodgers is much more efficient and effective off of it as well and just kind of what some of the reasons behind that might be. So check all that stuff out. And then as the week goes on, just kind of depends what happens on Sunday night. Gotcha. And Mark, over at Packer Report.
2: Well, I was starting up now just some random thoughts, basically. But the lead is, would the Packers' defense be better if they were in a 4-3 instead of a 3-4? And then, again, after the game, I'll do my instant analysis, get that up as quickly as possible, night game. So I'll be writing as quick as I can just to get that up before everybody goes to bed. All
3: right, excellent. So we have to wait all day for Sunday night. It's got a long long holiday weekend. We've got to wait till the very tail end of it before the Packers will kick off and play their game, but we get to get to watch the afternoon slate and enjoy some of those other games ahead of time. So everybody check out Paul and Mark's great work where they are, I'll have the post-game recap at Game On Wisconsin after the Packers hopefully take care of business against the Chicago Bears. Again, hope everyone's having a great Thanksgiving weekend. Everyone stay warm, stay safe. We'll be back next week. Go Pack Go.
1: Every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue wire. all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Whether you're a world class athlete
6: or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.